Well, hello there. Welcome back to Ready to Redo. I'm Jo Yang, and today's just a quick ish, no, it's like 20 minutes, so maybe not so quick uh, recap <laughs> about, you know, changes and also the mission of Ready to Redo, just for a quick refresher. I just wanted to say also that I'm really, really grateful for you listening and just joining us on this really important mission of redoing education. I think that is all, and let's jump into it. Hey guys, welcome back. So, 2020, December, it's December, it's nearly the end of December, and welcoming 2021, which is just crazy. Um, Everything's been a blur, but hopefully things are going back to normal, that uh, you're able to spend time with family, and that you are safe and happy. I'm really sending all my love to all of you who are listening, <laughs> as well as everyone. I mean, not just the ones who are listening, but um, everyone. And also, also, if you are new here, so if you are coming in from Mark from Self-Sufficient Me's interview last week, welcome, because there is a lot of love here. There is a lot of passion for the education system. Um, if you are hazy and if you have no idea what uh, this podcast is about, but you're just here. Uh, I will do a quick recap, a quick recap about what we cover or have covered so far. But today, today is all about change. It's all like you guys are very, very well acquainted with change, I bet. But changes in terms of what's happening next year in terms of content, uh, changes in my personal future plans, uh, I will explain in a second. Uh, And also, Changes in the education system that really need to happen because recently I did a three-week placement at a public school in Melbourne, which is also why I was away for so long. Uh, it, it just really confirmed my beliefs, disproved some things, but mainly confirmed some things that I really, really would like to change in school. But first of all, a recap. A recap of what's been happening on this podcast. So, Ready to Redo is all about ready to redoing the education system because I've seen, I've experienced, a lot of people have experienced what needs to be really improved in school um, as well as in university, so public education in general. There are so many people as well, like, <laughs> like Elon Musk, who if you see any of his videos on YouTube about education. (laughs) I think you'll get what I mean. In fact, I think a lot of things people learn are probably, there's no point in in learning them. Um, Because they they never use them in uh, in the future. Because a lot of kids just in in school kind of puzzled as to why they're there. (laughs) Um, Seth Godin as well has talked about this. He's a very famous marketer in America. I think what we need to do is teach kids two things. One, how to solve interesting problems. And two, how to lead. And yet, if you look at just about any public school in North America or Europe, we're not teaching that. We're teaching kids how to do well on the test instead. Sal Khan, you would have heard of him, Khan Academy. In a traditional academic model, we group students together, usually by age and around middle school age and and perceived ability. And we shepherd them all together at the same pace. Also, I want to add that besides being the universal tutor to every student that has internet access, basically, his voice, it's just very comforting and has a strange ability to pull you through any existential crisis. For example, 
Welcome to the presentation on Basic Edition. Just hearing that, it, it just makes me feel so calm. Uh, and Blake Bowles as well, who I interviewed recently. So just to name a few, like all of these people have really expressed the problems with the education system and how we really need to change it. And honestly, this extends to everyone, <laughs> like everyone that I've been talking to, for example, graduates, people who've just left high school or university, teachers themselves, students who are currently studying. Everyone is talking about things like, yeah, I mean, I haven't used this since high school or yeah, I don't know why I'm learning this or there are just so many issues and everyone knows it. It's like the biggest elephant in the room, I swear. And what they all share in common and have talked about is that school is so slow at adapting to the demands of real life. So we know that life is really, really changing very quickly with the internet. And there are just so many more opportunities and resources and everything. But the fact is that school has stayed the same for so long and will continue to if we don't do something about it. And what you find nowadays is universities just shitting themselves because a lot of people are realizing that degrees are redundant for specific you know, areas. Like if you want to be a doctor, you need to go and get a med degree. Like that's not an option. But for a lot of other sectors, like business, for example, the internet is your business. <laughs> the internet and practical work experience is your degree, essentially. My priorities for, you know, like my personal priorities for education is to make school relevant and fun for every student, everyone, because personally, school is just way too standardized, way, way, way too standardized that, you know, it's, it's not adapting to the needs and the wants of each individual student. Uh, like, ironically, even though education is you know, very individualized to each person. So if you want to know more about my view on standardization, I've dedicated an actual episode to it, episode two of Ready to Redo. I talk about fun a lot because, because I think that learning without fun won't get you anywhere. The, the whole reason and humans are wired to enjoy learning because it progresses them in some way and it helps them personally. So the fact that we're making learning a chore, <laughs> that we're, we're like, I handed uh, a sheet of, I handed someone a workbook in, in the recent placement that I did. First thing she just went was, oh, not more work, as if I was subjecting her to pain. <laughs> I felt her pain. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that I'm doing this to you. Fun needs to be fun. But also, People think that, oh no, you know, if you want to get ahead, you really have to do stuff that you don't enjoy sometimes. And that's true. If the student knows exactly why they need to learn it, then sure, they can overcome this pain. But what I ended up seeing, at least in year 11 students that I shadowed, so they stopped asking the questions of, oh, why am I doing this? But they ended up studying for grades. So they knew that in year 12, they would have an overall grade and that would dictate their blah, 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 potential. Blah. Uh, <laughs> but they just studied, not because they liked the subject and they didn't really know why they were studying it. There was no intrinsic motivation. It was purely extrinsic for grades. And so for only doing things out of an extrinsic motivation, I don't think that's enough. 
for most people, they just have no idea why they're learning stuff, which goes into relevance. Fun and relevance is really important. Students really need to learn stuff that they actually know the reason why they're learning it. So it, it's about practical work. It's about doing learning stuff that you can apply into your life immediately or within the very, very near future. This got me thinking about how to find subjects that are relevant to you and things that you actually enjoy doing. It takes a whole nother level of introspection and reflection, but Honestly, school just doesn't give us the time to do that. We have six subjects to balance. Like, when are you going to find the time to find out what you actually want to do? And besides the relevance for the student, you know, the intrinsic motivation that's getting them to learn, it's all about also the relevance of society. Like, are we learning things that are actually relevant to get employed or to make a business or whatever. So skills like critical thinking, like uh, doing things that are very uncomfortable and can lead to failure, like having a growth mindset and all of that. I got curious and then I started Googling the top soft skills that employers are looking for. And, and the three big ones that kept popping up was communication, so how you communicate with others, how I think this comes under things like public speaking. We never get taught how to public speak, but I honestly think this is one of the biggest, most important skills. Teamwork, teamwork, and creativity. Very, very important. These soft skills are not taught in school. They're sort of assumed that you'll just they're neglected. <laughs> I would say they're very neglected skills. Whereas uh, where we focus so much on the theory and on the technical side of things that you you definitely do see nowadays that employers aren't really looking for that because they can teach you. But what they're really looking for is who you are as a person and how you carry yourself. So quick story, my friend who works in a scientific lab, you know, she, she didn't have any work experience, any relevant work experience when she applied. But the person who hired her ended up telling her that they're not interested now in people who are highly qualified because the times that they have, these people either weren't great at working in teams or they just didn't have the soft skills that they wanted. And so my friend ended up getting hired and the person was like, yeah, we'll teach you all the skills. We'll teach you the practical um, pipetting or whatever they do. Hard skills are not the priority for employers, at least most of the time. They're looking for more specific personality attributes that are harder to teach. What I found from my own experience is that there's a lot of graduates who can't think for themselves, including myself. I'm not talking about others and saying I'm different. I came out thinking, you know, to depend on other people and to be told what to do because I got so used to that in, um, in school. And I had to unlearn a lot of things as well. What I believed was right, what I believed was true. So these were things like thinking I wasn't good at writing or English because my grades didn't, you know, they weren't as good as my other subjects. So I just assumed that identity or that people, all people are just like the people I hang out with because school is very much an, a bubble. It's like an inner circle that you hang out with and you, you never realize that people are different. And then other beliefs like, oh, I would never be a podcaster or, oh, I'm not leader material. Like all of these thoughts 
things that I've just had to question. I had a very limited practical life experience. Uh, we didn't really do work experience and, and part of what I'm very passionate about, as we talked about in the interview with Mark from Self-Sufficient Me, was that we don't do enough practical work and and work experience, <laughs> even though that's where we really learn and where we really adapt to working with people as well. <laughs> like, this is so important. We don't teach it. Anyway, uh, changes. Okay, let's just go straight into changes now. So first of all, personal change for me is that I have recently talked about a master's of teaching and doing that and being busy, which I was, but some family stuff has come up, some personal issues. So instead, next year, I hope to go into and work in alternative education. Alternative education, you would have uh, heard from Danica and Blake's interviews. And it's really fascinating to see systems which are already like beginning to target the issues of standardization and the ineffectiveness of traditional schooling. So I, I hope to come back with a lot of stories, of course, that I'll share into this podcast. And oh yeah, and the three-week public placement, again, I will share some anecdotes at the end of this episode. It was, it was real funky. Anyway, so what will next year's content look like on this podcast? I will be continuing the one on 101s. So with Mark from Self-Sufficient Me, uh, we were talking about the gardening 101s. And I really do want to continue this series of topics that we just don't cover in school, but are very practical and really very relevant to our lives. So please, actually, if you have an idea of a 101, please contact me and, and share your suggestions um, either on either on social media or at my email, it's jjyang at gmail.com. I would really love to hear back from you, uh, as well as other things, book reviews. I mentioned Sal Khan just before. I actually read his book, One School Tree House. Mm, I think I butchered that. Yeah, so I 100% butchered that. Uh, it's actually called The One World Schoolhouse, Tree, I, I don't know where that came from, but I do admire my own uh, creativity, I guess. But yeah, I also did a book review already on this podcast about the book Educated, which if you want to check out is episode 18. And besides book reviews, just rambling, which I'm good at, and alternative education interviews, hopefully, and just overall wholesome content. Okay, okay, so... That's all done. Uh, I think that's, you know, there's, uh, I decided to keep this in because I just found it so entertaining. What happened was I think I had like five thoughts all at once and then there were only five brain cells active at the time as well. So you can imagine there was traffic. Now let's actually just sum it up with my anecdotes from the recent placement I did. It really confirmed my beliefs that the education system needs to improve. And it was a huge culture shock because nothing has changed since I was in school, since a lot of people older than me have been in school. Oh yeah, first of all, disclaimer, if you're new and you're watching this podcast, then um, I look 14, but I am 23. <laughs> Fun fact. Anyway, I think the silver lining, though, is that it validates 
the work of Ready to Redo validates all my effort that's gone into it, as well as alternative educators, as well as people who want to improve and change the system, it really validates our work because there are a lot of problems that still need to be solved. And, oh yeah, and I was talking to this one year 10 student in school and really great conversation um, where we just talked about how school wasn't changing. And also, I just want to clarify that I, I wasn't trying to like indoctrinate students and be like, hey, school isn't good. But it just naturally flowed. I think the conversation started with the kid just being like, ah, I don't want to do this. Why am I doing this? And then I'm like, well, I mean, school's just like that. Like it's, it's like that because of the rules and everything. And he was like, yeah, it's never changed. It hasn't changed, but, and then et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, yeah, miss, uh, school's all the same. And, and nothing's really changed since, you know, like parents and, and, older parents <laughs> like it was a great conversation because he knew exactly like he experienced what I was experiencing but in real time anyway and oh yeah also I just talk like that when I'm imitating students I don't know why and I don't know why I make them sound pretty bogan but uh, <laughs> I just enjoy talking like this too okay so I ended up doing this voice a lot when I was explaining the students and everything to my friends and we've come to realize that it's because of summer heights high over there now fuck you miss beg your pardon I said fuck you with a p going back to the priorities of the podcast we talked about fun this was interesting. For some subjects, for the electors, for example, STEM, which I observed, students were very, very engaged in what they were doing. Also, and I think this is a big also, it's because they had independent projects and independent coding and all of that. Not sure if you noticed my very smooth all of that too. <laughs> Basically, it's a synonym for I have no idea what they were doing, but it was real cool. So they could really work at their own pace and they they could create what they wanted to create. That was huge. So freedom and plus they chose a subject. These students, you know, like me walking around, like I had nothing to provide these students, but just distract them and talk to them. So it was great. The not so great side of things, uh, compulsory subjects. So for me, I did a lot of science and maths. Blech. For most of it, it's trying to get the students to even do the work because they don't like this work. They're forced to do Like they don't have a choice but to do these subjects. And I think that is very, very unfortunate. So like I said before, there was a girl who said, oh, more work. Like I handed her her maths workbook and she looked at it as if I had just like, okay, maybe not that extreme. I was going to say like killed her puppy. That's very dark. But I took a food away from her. Like that's what her face looked like. It was just very uncomfortable because I wanted these students to really enjoy what they were doing. But how can you make them enjoy it if they didn't even choose to do this in the first place? We could go into more detail, but we won't because I'll dedicate another episode to this. So fun, debatable, depending if you had freedom or not. Relevance. Okay, relevance, again, for compulsory subjects, 
It was difficult. I tried with every example I gave. I taught classes with the theory. I always gave a practical side of things. Like, why do you need to know this theory? How can it help you? So, for example, I was teaching volume to a year nine maths class, and I was trying to use examples like if you were a gardener, <laughs> hard to imagine, whatever. If you were a gardener and you were filling up this soil bed, how much soil would you need? You don't want to spend too much money and and buy too much and then never use it, or you don't want to put too little in it. So you want to find the dimensions and then calculate how much soil. Or another one was I pointed out to their bottles, their water bottles on the tables, and was like, "Well, to make the dimensions of the bottle, and and abide by the regulations like a liter or 750 mil, you need to calculate backwards to find out how tall the water bottle should be, how wide, etc." Even then, so many students could not care less. It's not the teacher's fault. It's all to do with the fact that they. Don't want to, <laughs> like it, it's like trying to force them to do something that they never even chose. That is very hard. And if you look back at your own schooling days, yeah, if someone made you do something where you didn't select it, whether it was you know not an elective or something, it was very hard to get your attention because you could not see the relevance in why you're doing something. So right now, I think the focus is mainly on better teaching. So, how to engage a class and make your classes very entertaining and interesting, and how to teach things in a clearer way, which is very important. But we're missing the main point, which is to make things relevant to each student, which means more freedom to let the students choose their own projects and choose the topics of interest, which means letting go a lot. Which I don't think schools really want to do. So many students in class were, you know, half asleep, or they were just like, "Miss, why do I need to know this?" And I'm like, "Oh, this is a really good question because sometimes I honestly couldn't say <coughs> congruent triangles. I I couldn't for the life of me say, 'Oh, you need to know this theory because of this practical thing,' because often." It really did seem like just fun facts that were just—it was too hard for me to explain. Okay, so unless if you're going into research or if you're going into something like academia, yeah, the material's very useful. It's very relevant, but otherwise, not really. For example, we covered a topic in chemistry class. I taught it about isotopes, and if you're not aware. Isotopes are essentially atoms. Or okay, so a quick correction: isotopes are not different versions of atoms; they are different versions of elements. Elements and atoms are not the same. Elements can consist of multiple atoms. We won't go into detail, but for the most part, any time I say atom, I mean element. Different versions of atoms with different numbered neutrons. Just imagine a different uh, uh, composition of an atom creates an unstable thing. Uh, or or stable. Ah,、uh, it gets complicated. Whatever, and it can lead to so very practical things or real life things like the Chernobyl accident in 1986, I think it was. Or it can be a very useful tool like carbon dating, which is if you want to Google it, it's how archaeologists date fossils and living 
like bones and stuff and to see how long it took for them to decay and like how old these bones are. Cool stuff. But going into the nitty gritty of these atoms and their composition and explaining why they needed to know it was like hell. <laughs> it was hell because a lot of these students were just like, miss, I want to get into photography. How does this help me? And I was like, mmm, good question. Give me like a business day and I'll get back to you. Like it was a struggle. So of course, if there are things like basic maths or basic writing, English, that the student doesn't want to do, then yeah, it is important to help them because they'll need that skill in the future. But if you're learning more complex things, then they're really only relevant, again, if you're looking to go into that field or into academia. And for people who are like, oh, you need to diversify, like you need to learn this stuff early because what if you need it in the future? I think we're neglecting the fact that adults can learn. Adults are great learners as well and we can pick things up really quickly. Things like Crash Course on YouTube, Khan Academy on YouTube, these are all great resources for free that we can use. So theory is not the issue anymore, it's interest and curiosity. And before we wrap up, uh, I just wanted to end on behavioral management. Behavioral management, things like maintaining the class, making sure that no one acts out, things like detentions, things like suspensions, mm, that stuff. If you've listened to my uh, episode on punishment, I you will understand my view of this. And, and that is episode 15 if you want to check that out. Behavioral management seen firsthand does not work. As in punishment through detentions, through suspensions, does not work. It doesn't focus on the real reason why students are acting out. What I've found through talking with the students themselves is that there is a lot, first of all, a lot of mental illness going on. Second of all, a lot of personal issues with family, with friends, with themselves. Like there is, I, I will go into a, into detail in another episode, but there is a lot of self-loathing which is so, so just, what's the word? Like, sad's not the word. I want to say something more adjective-y, but I, anyway, it, it's just tragic to see that students are experiencing this, to have a detention on top of it, to have a punishment in some sort on top of it. I can't, I don't understand it. So for example, there was this girl going from year eight into year nine. And she was already talking about things like suicide. It was really dark and she, she was talking about her depression and all of that. And she was getting detentions for her uniform <laughs> and getting suspensions for misbehavior and for not showing up to class. I was so confused because there was no real emphasis on well-being. Like this girl obviously has issues. Like we need to focus on those and not give her suspensions because she's happy actually. She's happy that she gets suspensions because she doesn't have to go to class. So these punishments are just doing the opposite. Oh God, this is a really crap way to end the episode because <laughs> I was looking at my notes and this is about it. Like I just ended it there. Well, on a lighter note, there is a lot of stuff to continue to speak about next year. I'm really excited to see how this podcast goes, how 
hopefully that alternative education gains traction, that people seem to understand more about why it's necessary. Uh, anything else I want to say? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I hope you're enjoying your holidays. Hope you get to spend quality time with your family and friends. And I will see you next year. Bye. Thank you.